Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be breaking down the 10 players that will win fantasy leagues in 2023 fantasy football. I will be talking about players that I think have the upside to take you over the top and win you your championship from the beginning of the draft all the way deeper into the later rounds of fantasy football drafts. But before we could get on into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below while you're down there. Whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. And if you want my rankings, check out the Patreon link in the video description. So without further ado, let's get in to the 10 players that will win fantasy leagues in 2023. We begin with my first league winner, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins, underdog ADP wide receiver three at pick 4.1. Interesting enough, in a lot of redraft leagues, you might be able to get Tyreek Hill as late as the seven or eight pick, depending how many running backs go in front of Tyreek Hill. Now with the Cooper Cup injury situation, how he re-aggravated his injury, this makes Tyreek Hill the clear wide receiver number three in fantasy football, and it makes him the clear pick if you miss out on Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase and you want a wide receiver, you want that receiver to be Tyreek Hill. This guy was the wide receiver two in PPR last season and the wide receiver three in PPR points per game, despite only playing in 12 games with Tua Tungavailoa. The other five games were with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater, who were incredibly bad. So imagine what Tyreek Kill could do if he plays a full 17 games with Tua Tungavailoa. To me, the ceiling is the wide receiver one in fantasy football, a guy that could get over 2,000 receiving yards. Last year, he was the wide receiver two in PPR, the wide receiver three in PPR points per game. Playing in all 17 games, he had 170 targets, 10 per game, ranking third. 119 receptions, seven per game, ranking second. 1,710 receiving yards, 100.6 per game, number two, and nine total touchdowns, fourth at wide receiver. He ranked third in route win rate, sixth in yards per target, and second in true catch rate. Tyreek Hill surprised a lot of people. A lot of people were worried about going from Pat Mahomes to Tua Tungavailoa, how that was going to derail Tyreek Hill's season, but he actually put up his best season ever in terms of statistics. And to just, again, further solidify my point, with Tua 12 games without Tua 5 games, with Tua, he was averaging 10.1 targets per game. Without Tua, 9.8, right? Not much of a big difference there. The same thing was the case in terms of receptions and with and without Tua per game, it was seven with both. But then you notice a clear spike in receiving yards, 104 receiving yards per game with Tua, 92.4 without, 0.6 receiving touchdowns per game with Tua, zero without. So without Tua, this poor bastard didn't score a single touchdown. So again, as long as Tua Tungavailoa is able to stay healthy, I genuinely believe Tyreek Hill could finish as the wide receiver number one in fantasy football. And the other note is that if Tua was to get hurt, knock on wood, we don't refer injuries, his stats don't take as much of a dive off the edge of the earth with Tua versus without as compared to Jalen Waddle, where there are glaring di differences with Tua versus without. So now we are going to move to my number two league winner, and that is going to be Garrett Wilson, wide receiver of the New York Football Jets. Underdog ADP, wide receiver nine at pick number 14. Wide receiver 21 in PPR and 31 in PPR points per game. This man ranked 90th in target accuracy last season because the quarterback carousel 
in New York was a flaming pile of dog shit. Magic Mike White, Cool Joe Flacco, and the MILF hunter Zach Wilson. Despite the quarterback situation being terrible, Garrett Wilson overcame it as best as he could. Wide receiver 21 in PPR, 31 in PPR points per game. He played in all 17 games. He was sixth in targets, but because the target accuracy was not there, it was far from there, 16th in receptions, he was 14th in receiving yards, but he only scored four touchdowns, 37th at wide receiver, and he ranked 19th in total route wins last season. So if you expect Aaron Rodgers to just be somewhat decent, you don't need Aaron Rodgers to go out there like a gunslinger, look like the MVP, the back-to-back MVP that he was just a couple years ago. You just need him to not be absolutely atrocious like the quarterback play Garrett Wilson received last year, and Garrett Wilson is a sure fire smash. Now again, I am someone who is a little bit more cautious when it comes to throwing the crown on the Jets. Everyone hyped up, got down on their knees, gave the gawk gawk 9,000 to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos last year, and they were terrible. So I don't think the Jets are going to be that bad, but I also don't think the Jets are now magically going to win the AFC East like a lot of people think. At the end of the day, though, the Jets don't have to be these world beaters winning 13 fucking games for Garrett Wilson to be successful. Again, as long as the quarterback play from Aaron Rodgers is just somewhat competent, Garrett Wilson is in in the perfect position to succeed. The other wide receivers around Garrett Wilson, it is almost laughable, right? This is just a ragtag group of wide receivers. Guys like Nicole Hardman, guys like Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb are on the team, right? So there's not a crazy amount of target competition. Garrett Wilson could potentially see 9, 10 targets per game. And with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, it is going to be a good year for Garrett Wilson. At number three, we got my boy Josh Jacobs, running back of the Los Vegas Raiders. Underdog ADP, running back eight at pick 26. It is hilarious to me that on underdog, you could get him in the third round. It's even crazier that in such running back heavy rooms like redraft leagues, you can get Josh Jacobs at the end of the second round because the pre-draft rankings on ESPN, NFL, Yahoo, they move at snail's pace in terms of updating these things. Josh Jacobs has been back with the team for what feels like a decade at this point, and his ADP hasn't moved a muscle. Hasn't moved at all. Running back three in PPR last year, three in PPR points per game, 17 games played. He ranked second in carries, first in rushing yards, 11th in targets, 10th in receptions, 8th in receiving yards, and 6th in total touchdowns with 12. For years, Josh Jacobs looked good at carrying the ball but he just would not get the targets. For some reason, even dating back to Gruden's era in Viva Las Vegas with the Raiders, he would say, yeah, Jacobs is going to get more targets this year. And then you buy into it. You're like, holy shit, Josh Jacobs is finally going to get these targets. I'm so excited. This is finally going to be the year where he breaks out for fantasy football. And then it never happened. Entering into last season, I thought this was going to be a running back by committee. Josh McDaniels is a running back by committee guy. He loves using multiple backs, cycling them in and out of the game. But last year it was very clear. Josh Jacobs was a work 
workhorse running back. And he's back in the exact same situation. Last year, they didn't give him that fifth-year option. So they were essentially running him into the dirt to make sure that they squeeze every ounce of value out of him. And now he is on a franchise tag where they're not committed to this guy long-term. So they are going to run him into the dirt again. Last year, he was first in yards created, 23rd in true yards per carry, 18th in yards per touch, and 11th in juke rate. I talk about this a lot. True yards per carry, while it matters, yes, it does. But it's kind of a fugazi number when you're talking about a guy that sees 340 carries the prior season, 20 carries per game. Why is it fugazi? Because if you're carrying the rock 18 plus times, it doesn't fucking matter if you only average 4.6 true yards per carry. Whereas if you're getting eight carries a game, you need to be averaging a lot more true yards per carry in order to actually be productive. And the defense, a lot of the time, kind of knows they're going to run with Josh Jacobs, so they're able to load the box a little bit easier. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is not this crazy large step down from Derek Carr. I think this offense is going to be pretty solid yet again, and I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a big key in the success of this offense. I'm a huge fan of Josh Jacobs yet again in 2023, and the fact that he's like the RB8 off the board is straight up hilarious to me. Moving to league winner number four, Christian Watson, wide receiver of the Green Bay Packers, underdog ADP, wide receiver 21. Can you do something for me? I pick 39.7. Now, if you look at Christian Watson's stats, they don't make it move downstairs, right? They don't make you feel like, holy shit, I need to draft this guy. He was the wide receiver 40 in PPR and 33 in PPR points per game. But when you put into perspective the games where he was actually starting, right? He has 11 starts, but in games where he played 60 plus percent of the snaps, which is a seven game sample size out of his 11 starts, he was the wide receiver number eight in PPR points per game. Now I get it. Nick, Jordan Love isn't Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you remember Aaron Rodgers last season, and you don't just have these rose-colored glasses of Aaron Rodgers slicing and dicing his way through a defense, then you will realize that Aaron Rodgers was a bit of a shell of himself last season. He wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, holy shit, what happened to Rodgers? But it was like, this isn't the same Rodgers that we are used to over the last couple of years where he was the reigning back-to-back -back MVP. 41st in times of target accuracy for Christian Watson, 7.4. Even with the accurate passes not really being there too much, he ranked 7th in true catch rate. He had 65 targets, 41 receptions, 611 receiving yards, and 9 total touchdowns, ranking 4th at wide receiver. I believe with Christian Watson now getting a whole year as the guy in Green Bay, he has a lot of upside. Again, I say he is the guy because I don't think Jaden Reed or Romeo Ida W, Romeo Dobbs, is going to take over as the numero uno, the head of the table. Roman Reigns, the number one option on this team. I get that Jordan Love, I personally do not believe that the Packers are going to run so good, right? They didn't draft Brett far, but they traded for him very early on in his career. Then they get Rodgers. Then they get fucking Jordan Love, and they just run great for 30 years in a row, right? What are the odds of that happening? Pretty low, right? But could Jordan Love be the 19th best quarterback in the NFL and Christian Watson be really good? 
The answer would be yes. Again, you don't need Jordan Love to go out there and look like Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love to go out there and slice through the defense like he's playing Fruit Ninja, like he's Joe Burrow or something. He just needs to be a somewhat competent quarterback and he can get the ball to Christian Watson. There have already been so many positive reports out of training camp about the rapport between the two. Christian Watson is a guy that I feel like a lot of people think was a one-hit wonder. And I think this is the same exact bullshit that people fell into the season prior last year with Amon Ross St. Brown. Remember, Amon Ross St. Brown gets hot at the end of the 2021 NFL season, and coming into 2022 drafts, people are like, how should I feel about Amon Ross? Was he really this great receiver? Is he really a true number one wide receiver in the National Football League? And people panic. They start to worry. It's the same thing about Christian Watson. His ADP on underdog pick 39.7. I've seen Christian Watson fall to the sixth round in fantasy football drafts. Christian Watson is a legitimate number one NFL wide receiver. Again, if the stats didn't convince you, if I didn't convince you, go ahead and throw on some game film last year from the Packers of Christian Watson. This guy is incredibly fast. He gets open incredibly well, and he is a humongous red zone threat. I am all in on Christian Watson this season and you can't convince me otherwise at number five we got the boy Darren Waller tight end of the New York football Giants underdog ADP tight end four at pick 56.6 now Darren Waller has been rising quicker than your cock when you take one of those gas station pills Darren Waller was a guy that people initially were very nervous to draft and I think there is still people that are scared of Darren Waller for rightful reasons, right? Over the last couple of years, Darren Waller's been a guy that isn't the definition of health, right? He's not healthy every single game. He's missing games, and it sucked, right? And it sucked, and I agree. I've drafted Waller in the past, and he has burned me. But you have to understand that we are now at a point where Waller goes in the fifth or the sixth round, right? You're not in the first three, four rounds where you got to try to be as safe as possible, right? I am fine taking the risk on Waller based upon his injury-riddled history because of the clear upside in this offense. Last year, he was the tight end 10 in PPR, 31 in PPR. He was the tight end 10 in PPR points per game, number 31 in PPR. Nine games played. He had 43 targets, 28 receptions, 388 receiving yards, and three total touchdowns. But he was fifth in yards per target and third in yards per reception. This is a Giants team that does not have a clear number one receiver. While all offseason, I've been banging the drum for Hodgins. I really like Hyatt, right? That's because I want to take my shot like Stephen Curry from deep towards the end of the draft on a guy that I think could be the number one receiver on an offense. But while those guys might be the number one quote-unquote receiver, Darren Waller could end up being the number one target. We saw in the preseason game that Danny Dimes was playing that Darren Waller is a key piece, the skeleton key of this Giants offense. Danny Dimes was force-feeding this fucker the ball. I think it was like three straight times he threw him the ball. He had a ridiculous amount of target share on that offense for that slight amount of work. Now, obviously, I don't expect Darren Waller to go out there and get 12 fucking targets a game. That would be crazy. Right? But could he get eight targets a game? Could he be the number one target on the Giants? And all of the training camp reports are that this guy looks like fucking Shaquille O'Neal, Giannis Antetokounmpo in the paint, right? He's just slamming all over everyone in the end zone, right? He's always open, like fucking McDonald's, even though I don't think McDonald's is always open for everyone. Walmart, 
I don't think Walmart's always open either. But you get the fucking point, right? 24 hours, Darren Waller is open in the end zone. Daniel Jones and him clearly have a solid connection. And I'm a big fan of the boy Darren Waller this season. Moving to number six. If you guys have enjoyed thus far, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button down below. Damian Pierce, running back of the Houston Texans. Underdog ADP, running back 19 at pick 59.7. I have Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce? Like Damian Hurst? No, I have Damian Pierce, who's going to be putting your opponents in the fucking Hurst. Much higher than running back 19. I love Damian Pierce this season. Damian Pierce is a workhorse running back you can find in the fourth or fifth round of a lot of fantasy football draft. Now I get, do I think Damian Pierce is going to get 70 targets this season? No, but he got 39 targets last season and 30 receptions. I think that should go up. We've seen in preseason action, they want to use him as the three down back on the team. And Damian Pierce put up solid numbers last season, despite the fact that he had the 63rd ranked run blocking rating. He evaded 68 tackles, one off of being very nice, I like, with 69, number one at running back, 15th in yards created. He was on a team that was terrible. They were, it was laughably bad sometimes, right? With Davis Money, Giraffe Mills, Giraffe Neck Mills under center, right? This team stunk. And yet, Damian Pierce was still good. They bring in Devin Singletary, who has been proven to be bad. Bad. He stinks. He's not good. Now, again, I hate when a lot of analysts will say, oh, this guy sucks. In reality, they don't suck because they are way better than a majority of people at playing running back, right? That's very obvious. But Devin Singletary cannot hold Damian Pierce's jockstrap. Damian Pierce is the clear number one on this offense. I think he's going to see more targets. I think he could easily bash through 1,000 rushing yards. He had 939 rushing yards last season in 13 games. 72.2 rushing yards per game. He ranked 13th in carries with 16.9 per game. Five total touchdowns. I think the touchdowns should go up. I think the addition of C.J. Stroud makes a whole lot of difference in this offense. Their head coach not being a stooge in Lovey Smith is going to help this offense out a ton. I am ecstatic about the upside that Damian Pierce presents. A lot of people are scared to draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round. They like to stay away. But Damian Pierce is the perfect guy to pounce on if you went wide receiver heavy early, right? First three rounds, you, you get Jefferson, you get these other receivers, right? You got Devontae Smith, you got Calvin Ridley. Then in the fourth round, you take Damian Pierce, right? A guy with a very clear path to carries, and because Devin Singletary has stone hands, a clear path towards receptions. I was all over Damian Pierce last season, banging the drum ever since he got, a dra got drafted as the guy to have in Houston. I was correct. He suffered injury. His ADP skyrocketed from like a ninth round pick all the way up to like the fifth round. But this year, his ADP is very fair. He proved to me that he was good. Now we're just going to see a better system in Houston. Chef's kiss. Manufique for Damian Pierce. Before we get to my league winner number seven, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to draft best ball teams this summer. If you don't know what fantasy football best ball is, it's the best part about fantasy football. It's the draft and that's it. There's no trades, no waivers, and no in-season management. At the end of every single week, Underdog automatically puts the highest scores into your lineup for you. And they have the biggest fantasy football contest ever. Best Ball Mania 4. 
25 dollars to enter 150 max entries 15 million in total prizes and three million dollars to first place they are also going to be debuting a new tournament which isn't really that new right they've had a couple this year the puppy number four i believe it is five dollars to enter coming out very soon on there make sure you guys check this out link in the video description if you use promo code notorious you get a first match deposit bonus of up to a hundred dollars you deposit 100 they give you an additional 150 additional 50 25 additional 25 minimum deposit is ten dollars also, they have games that are kind of like a normal fantasy football league, right? You versus 11 other people. The first two places make money, and third place gets their money back with as low of a buy-in as $3. It's a great way to prepare for your real fantasy football draft. So again, make sure you guys check that out. Link in the video description or use promo code Notorious. They also have an app, so you don't just have to use the website, and the app is really good. Moving now to league winner numero seven here. We got Trevor Lawrence, touchdown Jesus, quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, underdog ADP, quarterback eight at pick 63.1. Trevor Lawrence is the last of a tier of quarterbacks to where it feels like really good, right? I have been noted as a Deshaun Watson truther for fantasy. I'm a huge Tua guy. I love a couple of Danny Dimes, these later quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, but you feel really safe when you got T-Law on the squad, right? Last year, he greatly improved, right? Because when Urban Meyer was the head coach, this team was basically Bishop Sycamore, right? But without him and with Doug Peterson, the offense, the whole team felt a little energized, right? Quarterback seven last year for T-Law, quarterback 13 in points per game. He played in 17 games last season. He ranked seventh in pass attempts, ninth in passing yards, 8th in passing touchdowns, 20th in interceptions, and he has a little bit of sneaky run game. 10th in carries, 10th in rushing yards, and 5th in rushing touchdowns. Very nice. Very nice. Now again, is he going to go out there, fucking juke a defender out of his socks like Kyler? Is he going to hit you with like that old Michael Vick in Madden 2004 where you like hit like the spin move and the guy flies 500 feet behind you? No. But could he get five rushing touchdowns again? Yeah. Could he get 200-something rushing yards? Yeah. Again, that little added rushing upside definitely helps. And now, right, we didn't even talk about why I like him so much. Again, he was really safe. He's really safe. He's got a lot of upside. Going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson was a huge boost. You want to know the even bigger boost? The wide receiver core in Jacksonville. They add Calvin Ridley. Calvin, riddle me this. Have Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, who somehow figured out how to catch the ball last season. They have Etienne, and they have Tank Bigsby. They've got a lot of options to throw the rock to. I am a Calvin Ridley truther. If I hadn't given the metaphorical gawk gawk 9,000 to Calvin Ridley in every single video, he would be in this video because I love Calvin Ridley. He's a bonus player, number 11. I love Calvin Ridley. It didn't look at all to me in all the training camp footage, all the reports, and in preseason against my Dolphins. He made us look silly. He made us look like we had a red nose, like we were a clown. Honk, honk, right? He was amazing. Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, right? This guy was talked about as the prophecy for the Jaguars, the best quarterback to come out of college since Andrew Luck. And I think he's going to live up to that. I love Trevor Lawrence. And again, there's just something about that safety, right? Now you don't have to deal with 
Deshaun Watson, who might be a little disgruntled because he didn't get a massage that day, right? You don't have to deal with the injury risk of Tua. You don't have to deal with Kirk fucking Cousins being your starting quarterback, right? And him absolutely crumbling in any game that is past 1 o'clock Eastern time. So Trevor Lawrence, T-Law, a lot of upside, also a lot of safety. At number eight, we got James Let Him Cook. Running back of the Buffalo Bills, underdog ADP, running back 22 at pick 71.7. Also, real quick, important to note about Trevor Lawrence. I wanted to read this off. Sixth in true passer rating, 15th in QBR, ninth in accuracy rating, and he had the sixth most drop passes, which you have to think is going to be eradicated with Calvin Ridley there. Back to James Cook, though. Last year, a lot of people liked James Cook, running back 22. This year off the board, pick 71.7. But he didn't really pay off. And I was as off on James Cook as it gets. But that's not to say that I'm Albert Einstein because I like Devin Singletary. And like we talked about with Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary is not good. James Cook did not have a great year, but because he wasn't given the opportunity, it is very clear that he is going to be given the opportunity this season. So many positive reports out of camp about the amount of usage he's going to get in preseason. He looked good, and this guy can really catch passes. Now, I understand Damian Harris being there, Latavius Murray, right? These are backs that are going to get touches, right? It's not like James Cook is going to go out there week one up against the Jets and be a workhorse running back, right? That would be a fever dream, right? I think that would be incredibly unlikely. But I don't think, based upon James Cook's passing prowess, that he needs to go out there and get 15, 16, 17 carries a game. I just don't think he does. If he gets 10, 11 carries, catches a couple balls every game, finds his way into the end zone for the Bills, James Cook should be fine. I will note that there is one thing that really worries me about James Cook. So while I think he has that league-winning upside, while I think he will end up as a league winner, and why I changed from thinking James Cook was a bust to being a guy that I want on all my fantasy football teams is the quarterback, Josh Allen. We know that Josh Allen, instead of dumping off a lot, likes to scramble. Press every button, as they say, right in Madden. Like, he's clicking every fucking button on the controller. He's running back there. He's jumping. He's leaping. He's stiff-arming. He's juking. He's doing everything. He's trying to run himself. But I think that James Cook is that good of a pass catcher that that's going to change a little bit. Now, is Josh Allen still going to press all the buttons, do some crazy shit back there, go for a triple YY ladder stall like he's playing Modern Warfare 2? Probably. Probably. And almost, actually, definitely, he's going to do that a couple times. But I think that he is going to realize that, hey, maybe I should dump off to James Cook more. And the other thing that worries me is, are the touchdowns going to be there, right? Can James Cook score 10 touchdowns? I don't think so, but I don't think he needs those touchdowns with the amount of receiving volume that I project for him. He's on one of the best teams in the NFL, and while I was off of James Cook last year, I'm ready to be hurt yet again by a Buffalo Bills running back. Moving to league winner number nine, MPJ Michael Pittman Jr., wide receiver of the Indianapolis Colts, underdog ADP, wide receiver 40 at pick 77.1. Wide receiver 20 in PPR last season, 23 in PPR points per game, tied with scary Terry F1 McLaurin. Now, Michael Pittman is, and a guy I talked about in my mock draft video earlier today, the classic DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin case, meaning the classic receiver's really good, but their talent gets ruined by their quarterback being terrible. Now, it doesn't take the best quarterback in the NFL for Pittman to be valuable. It's just you need someone better than Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger, right? 
for Michael Pittman to succeed. I don't project Anthony Richardson to be surgical out there. I don't project him to be dicing up the defenses. We use that term a lot, but it's true, right? Just slice and dice your way through the defense, OJ Simpson style. I don't think that Michael Pittman even needs that. This is a clear number one receiver on the Colts. Clear. They have Josh Downs and Alec Pierce. He is the clear number one. This guy has been getting so many targets, over 120 targets in the past, the past two years, back-to-back years. 141 targets last year, 11th at wide receiver, 99 receptions, 8th. The problem was the receiving yards, 925, 24th, right? If you get 99 receptions, you should be getting over 1,000 yards. And he only had four total touchdowns. Despite the fact that he was 2nd in total route wins, 7th in route win rate, and 17th in contested catch rate. This guy is really fucking good. Really good. And there is, again, a clear path towards touches. He is going to clearly be the number one receiver, right? And rookie quarterbacks like to rely on the clear option, right? You throw the ball near Pittman, he's going to come down and get it. People are scared of Pittman because Pittman burned them last year. This is a tale as old as time. I will not draft this play. I won't draft this player because this player bet me over table the last year. I get it. You don't want to get fucked twice by that same player. Back to back, Jordan, 96, 97 years. But what you have to understand is a clear path towards targets, the better quarterback situation. And you also have to consider that Michael Pittman Jr. is really good. And again, it's not like I'm sitting here touting the clear number one option on the Patriots. Again, I don't think the Colts are going to be the best team ever in the NFL, but I really think Anthony Richardson is going to turn heads, be a little surprising, and I want everything to do with MPJ. To close things out here, Khalil Herbert, running back of the Chicago, Chicago Bears, underdog ADP running back, 32 pick, 92.6. Now, there was some rumors, the rumor mill, a little birdie was tweeting about how Santa Foreman might get cut now. Sitting here, past cut day, Dante Foreman's still on the team. But that tells you what the team thinks about Foreman, right? Foreman is not going to be a large part of the game plan in Chicago. Now, if something happens to Khalil or Roshan Johnson, knock on wood, we don't refer injuries, then, of course, Dante Foreman's going to have to get touches. But I think there's going to be a one-two punch of Khalil Herbert, left, right-hand, Roshan Johnson, right? But this is a left-handed boxer, left-handed fighter, Conor McGregor, the left-hand and I just fucking swung like a pussy. I don't know if you guys just saw that. But the left hand of, of McGregor, right? That feared left hand, right? Not, not a right-handed boxer. Left-handed boxer, Khalil Herbert. He's the guy. Now, they're going to use Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson actually is a guy that I really like to target late in drafts if I don't draft Khalil Herbert because of how good he looked at Texas before B. John Robinson kind of cucked him over, right? Running back 41 last year for Herbert, 42 in PPR points per game. He only started one game. So the important thing to look at is not necessarily his stats from last season, like the regular stats, right? In terms of efficiency, he was really good. Ninth in yards created per touch. Seventh in juke rate. Seventh in yards per touch. Fifth in true yards per carry. Last year in week three. Nick, it was against the Texans. That's not a big tell. Sure. It was a soft opponent. So I don't expect every game him to go 20 carries, two receptions on two targets for 169 total yards and two tugs. I don't expect that. But could he average 100 yards a game? Could he be getting three, four targets a game? Could Justin Herbert take the next leap? Could the offensive line be better? I think all those things are very likely. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think Fields is going to be better. So all we need 
is for Herbert to stay healthy and maintain his number one role in this offense. Because entering into the season, it's crystal clear that he is the number one running back on this team. So to recap here, my top 10 league winners for 2023 fantasy football, my final list, because football is right around the corner. We are six days away from kickoff. Chiefs, Lions, Tyreek Hill, Garrett Wilson, Josh Jacobs, Christian Watson, Darren Waller, Damian Pierce, Trevor Lawrence, T-Law, James Let Him Cook, Michael Pittman, and Khalil Herbert. Thank you guys all so much for watching. If you ended up enjoying, make sure you guys hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below. I'd appreciate it a ton. I hope you guys did end up enjoying today's video a ton. Again, we are so close to football. It makes me so excited. The butterflies are just flying through my body. I'm ecstatic, and I hope you guys are as well. I love you guys all so much. Thank you guys for all the support over the years, this year especially. We've been getting some real solid growth recently. We're almost at 5 million total views on the channel, which is just crazy. Because again, I talked about this when we hit 25 million subscribers. That is, or not 25 million subscribers, 25,000 subscribers. You told me when I started this that I would hit 25,000 subscribers. I would have believed you because I have a lot of confidence myself, but I would have found that to be crazy, right? When you tell me the 25,000 subscribers isn't even as crazy as the 5 million views that come, right? To me, 5 million views? That's crazy. Like, imagine 5 million people in one room. And that's all due to you guys. It's nothing from me. It's from the support that you guys show me. If you want to support me some more, again, use promo code Notorious on Underdog. That helps me out. If you want my rankings on Patreon, $7.50. Link in the description. And even if you already had your fantasy draft, if you want my weekly rankings, they're on there, for like, during every single week of the season. And then I also answer questions on there. So on YouTube, it's hard to answer every question. There's a gazillion questions. But on Patreon, since the people pay... I answer the questions all the time. So make sure you guys check that out. Link in the description. Sorry for going on. Rambling. Love you guys. Have a great one. As always, good boy.